Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Stuff started happening. We heard the skeleton crew was coming over to Asia, and uh, we desperately need your help. This is truly an honor. My wife and I were big fans of your show. When I was a kid, I used to see them, talk to them. I almost think that we made all this stuff up. I think sometimes we want these things to be real. What is that? What? That noise? What happened to that? Whatever it is. Honey, that house touched me. He's trying to make contact. We've got them wired to every corner of the house. If something turns up, we'll get it on tape. Touch something? No. Go, 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 go. go. for possessions, exorcisms, you name it. This is the first time in the history of the show that we've ever come close to actually proving the existence of the paranormal. Ben? Oh! You scared the hell out of me, man. You okay? He's having a seizure! It's a man in my dream! Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 466. Releasing October 7 in theatres across the US is Don't Look at the Demon, a demonic possession horror thriller by way of Malaysia that stars Fiona Dowriff as a troubled medium who encounters a terrifying case of possession. A dark and terrifying twist on a demonic possession film don't Look at the Demon also has the distinction of being the first Malaysian movie in history to hit US theatres. And joining me now to talk about Don't Look at the Demon is the film's director, Brando Lee. Brando, I thank you so very much for joining me today. You're very welcome, Matthew. That little tidbit there we just talked, I just mentioned about Don't Look at the, at the Demon being the first Malaysian movie in history to, to like hit US theatres. That is such a distinction to have right there. How does that feel like for you yourself as a filmmaker 
interestingly enough, a filmmaker who, even though growing up in, in, in Malaysia, he was, you had a steady diet of Hollywood films, you know, Star Wars, The Exorcist, Jaws, and here is your film, your horror movie, opening up across 250 screens across the US. It must have been a great thrill for you uh, to be, you know, the first in your country to achieve that. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. I think um, I'm so thankful to all the supports from everyone, especially from the uh, the financier as well, my business partner, to stick with me for so many years. And uh, yeah, being the first Malaysian film to open up in the theaters across the United States, it's really an honor. It's a, it's 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 it's, it's so amazing, so wonderful, you know, to to have that the experience, you know. And I'm hoping with this, I'm kind of, uh, not to say that I'm going to be the pioneer or something, but I'm just hoping that it will kind of pave the way for for other filmmakers, fellow filmmakers in Malaysia as well, you know, to to push to push harder, to push to something that uh, you've never done before, you know, beyond what you imagine, just push it, push it hard. You, just just to follow up on that, what's the f- film industry like in Malaysia? Is it a growing industry? Is it something that's been thriving for a while? Can you just run us through, you know, briefly, just like what the state of the industry is like these days, um, especially when it comes to horror cinema? Has it become something that's become much more uh, prominent to that genre in your home country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Malaysia has been uh, has been uh, uh, ups and downs with the film industry, but lately it has been quite good, especially after the pandemic. It seems like you know it's kind of better than even uh, prior to the pandemic, you know. So lately, we have a couple of films that really hit huge box office theatrically. Everybody just walked in, you know, to the theater to watch film. Mm. I don't know why. Maybe this is the uh, the characteristics of Malaysians. We know we love to go outdoors, you know, in the restaurants. Everything is flooded with people, you know, for horror movies. Basically, you know, it's a it's a it's a huge genre in uh, Asia, especially, you know, in Malaysia too, you know. So we used to have like censorship. Uh, we we couldn't have ghosts, you know, in the film. It had to be uh, like the unreal ghosts, like in, in the dreams or imagination and stuff like that. But that had been aborted uh, 15 years ago, 17 years years ago, and uh, we got the uh, first hand to uh, to do whatever we want on the horror scene as long as uh, it doesn't go 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 against certain guidelines, you know, like uh, full nudity stuff like that you know or against certain national religion mm. and uh, some uh, cultural sensitivity as long we do not do that i think pretty much we are pretty much okay with that you know my film only got one cut in malaysia which is the uh, full nudity of course i got to respect that you know so the rest all stayed in and i'm very happy with that you know so the first thing that kind of came to my mind when i was uh, uh, you know i received you know, the email about your movie and just reading up about your statement about the film is that you said in your statement that you had certain experiences in your past that kind of, I wouldn't say inspired, but at least, you know, formed a certain relationship you had with with the supernatural, I'd imagine. So the first question I had to ask in regards to that is what are those experiences that you had in your past that really kind of inspired you to go down this road that while I'm I'm watching, don't look at the demon, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I I need to know what's what's going on here. All right. Okay. Okay. First of all, yeah, the personal experience is one thing. Uh, my first um, experience in um, watching horror movie, I think I was like four or five years old when my mom and dad took me to watch The Exorcist. Wow. And there are certain images that 
really left behind my mind and linger around for so long, especially mm. those classic uh, scenes when the young girl twisted her head, vomiting, puking, levitating and stuff like that. It stays so long in my mind, you know. Of course, that is one thing aside. And then when I was around like eight, nine years old, 10 years old, if I'm not mistaken, I felt like certain achings on my elbows, my knees, you know. And then I found out the same thing happened to my parents, my elder sisters. Well, we tried to visit doctor, but doctor said nothing was wrong with us. <laughs> so instead, we were introduced to uh, to a um, to to a Siamese temple, a Thai temple, you know. Uh, basically, we went and visit the monk. The monk said that, well, there was a certain spell or cursed cast on us, you know, in a way that, um, you know, no, oh, that, that, that feel, feel that, you see. So having that problem. And my, my dad, I think my late father was even worse. You know, I think he, he was feeling the aching throughout the whole body. And then we were told to bring in some raw eggs, uh, raw eggs, you know, without, before cooked, you know. So we brought in our own eggs, you know, for the monk to chant to do a ritual. And uh, he would chant mantra, and I was young, I didn't know. And then he would hold the eggs uh, gently, kind of rub against our legs, the body parts that I felt the aching. And then we suddenly chant just right in front of us, just broke the eggs, and then we could see rusted nails coming up together with the eggs, rusted nails. It just doesn't, couldn't make sense to me. You know, I was like, where, where did it come from, all these nails, you know? Uh, like, the, the more aches, the more pain you had, um, the bigger, the longer the raster nail is, mm. you know. And um, after a few sections of the treatments, I felt so much better. So, and there's no more nails, you know. There wasn't any more nails coming up, even my father. And we didn't have to pay. All we need to do is just do some donations to the temple. You know, it wasn't like scam or whatever. I try to record it as much as I can, you know. It wasn't a scam at all. You know, it was so clear and he was a monk, you know. So I got to respect that, you know, as a religion, as a Buddhist, I respect the monk. As far as I can say, you know, I think he's very genuine there, out there to help people up. You know, it's like some kind of black magic, some witchcraft that <laughs> been the, that happened to us. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, the public is sure to have something you love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. I think what's important in regards to your movie is that, you know, it seems to me that the biggest film I get sent to me genre-wise in horror cinema is the Demonic Possession movie. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a reason for that. There's like, you know, of course, independent filmmakers have budget limitations, and I think paranormal activity really showed people that you can make that kind of movie on a shoestring on budget not to say mm-hmm. that that's the same with your film but i get a lot of them and what i really appreciate about don't look at the demon is that there is a different kind of angle towards mm-hmm. it and of course it has to do with location of course it has to do with the spiritual side of the film because when dealing with 
demonic possession, you are dealing with subjects of spirituality in religion, mm -hmm. theology, mm -hmm. etc. So there are things in this movie that are totally alien to me. I've never seen them before. And one mm -hmm. of them is something called, and forgive my pronunciation here, uh, Kuman Thong. Um, mm -hmm. That's Kuman kind of like a, it's kind of like a, I, I would say, it's kind of like a, a Malaysian uh, black magic, maybe. Um, it depends. I think it depends on the, the practitioner or, or what have you. Uh, from what I know, Kuman Thong, that, that means golden boy in, in Thai. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that is actually a Thai word. Kumantong is a Thai word, yeah. And it's, what, what uh, is it exactly so we can just uh, explain to the audience who, who who probably haven't heard of it before? Because I know that I haven't heard of it before until I watched your movie. Mm, okay. Well, me, me, me either. I, I didn't hear about this until I started to uh, do research about this subject matter. But like um, I did hear about like people uh, kind of uh, playing with the... Um, the spirits of the uh, the kids in uh, in the east, especially in Southeast Asia, you know, a lot of them they actually have have them. You know, I don't want to say to rear them, but to have them. You know, mm. with them, you know, for protections, for to to help out businesses, you know, stuff like that. And some the bad ones they would send out to do bad things. You know, to curse people, to send out spells to people and stuff like that. You know. So uh, yeah, I started to do a lot of research on this when I when I found out that I could kind of uh, combine the experience that I have and with my understanding with this. And then I visited many times of the Thai temple that I depicted in the film. It's a real Thai temple that I went to visit for so many times. And of course, other than the guy that played the monk, the two there were two monks sitting at the bank. They're both real monks. And one of them actually I consulted at that time and he helped me up so many times. And he told me how he did his exorcism and what feeling he got into, the coldness, the freezing feeling of the coldness in his heart. You know? So I was thinking, how should I try to convey that into visuals? So I think the best way is to add in all the cold breath. You mm. know? I think uh, there were not many films that have that except the first exorcist, exorcist 1974. Yes. It was a shot in a huge bridge yeah. and it was cold. You could see the breath like coming up two feet. So, so my situation, I just put it up like, you know, five inches, you know, so to, to, to simulate that, that, you know, uh, the, the, to show the coldness of the feeling in it whenever they come to. So in terms of the Kuman Tong, it was something new to me in terms of the, even the terminology itself, you know, until I, I was told, yeah, it's basically, um, uh, 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 immature death of the uh, pregnancy, the fetuses. And um, a lot of people just dump them, you know, some abortion. Of course, here we can lead, in, can lead into another subject matter of abortion, hmm. you know, with the kids. So the monk, what they do is normally they will, they will feel, they will have the compassion, the compassion to take care of them. And uh, we believe, you know, the souls of the baby still around even though the body the physical form is no longer there for them to be with right so what the monk did was to take them to kind of uh, to welcome them to to embrace them to help them up to give them a better place to chant with them to uh, to give them some uh, blessing and stuff like that you know so this is what kumantong is you know but if you have a bad intention of course um, they will do things for you, you know, like the story in the house, 
Mm. The story, the story of the house, you know, the story in the film is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's such a it's such a unique kind of because I was just reading up about the history of it and the, the mythology associated with it. It's just incredible to kind of read about that and to see that in the film as well. It can be very confrontational. Uh, some of the scenes in your movie, you said before that you only had um, one cut to do for the film. Um, which is surprising to me because I think even for Western audiences, some of the scenes in the movie could be can be confrontational, especially in regards to the violence. When it came mm-hmm. to putting those scenes on film, um, mm-hmm. what was it? What type of ideas were you generating? Did you have kind of like a list of ways to kind of like, you know, different um, ways to scare the audience, to horrify the audience? You know, there are scenes that I think are very reminiscent of kind of like what William Frequent did with The Exorcist. Did have watching that film at such a young age and having such an impression on you, were you thinking about shooting scenes like these for a very long time and this is your opportunity to really put it on film? I'm very curious about that. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's more actually inspiration. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we look into good stuff in films, we pick them. As a film director, most of the time we will, we will get inspired. We get inspired and then we will tr- tell the story in our own way. And uh, one thing I think, um, being truthful, being truthful to what you know, being truthful to what the understanding, the experience that you have, uh, the story that you want to tell, don't uh, exaggerate, don't over-exaggerate it, you know. So I think that is my belief, you know, it's my belief. You know, I didn't have like a list of the scare methods, you know. So I was just like, you know, not to say that somebody told me, wow, you have everything in the film. You have the jump scan, you have the visual scan, you have the, all kind of elements in it. It's like a new era of horror. Well, to me, I didn't think about that much. You know, I was just trying to tell a story within mm. that 93 minutes. <laughs> Here you go. You know, that's how it came about. And what's also interesting in, in Don't Look at the Demon, it's kind of like a merging in regards to not only Eastern and Western uh, genre, horror genre tropes come together. It's also kind of like a merging of the different kind of spiritual uh, beliefs as well. When it comes mm-hmm. to demonic possession movie, of course, kind of like um, Christianity, especially Catholicism is very kind of prominent in those movies. But in mm-hmm. your movie, of course, it being based in Malaysia, uh, the Buddhist religion, especially in the, in the beliefs in that, are very much prominent in that. In us talk, of course, we're talking about different uh, folklore and mythology and theology. They kind of all kind of come together, not only in regards to spirituality, but the iconography as well. Your movie mm-hmm. features a lot of crucifixes. It has a lot mm-hmm. of uh, Western religious iconography. Then mm-hmm. you also kind of like this, the other side of the of the of the coin, which is kind of like the, the the Buddhist traditions and such as well. What was the idea of getting those two kind of things uh, put together? Um, were you very much aware that you were going to have uh, as many Western audiences uh, looking at this film as much as Eastern audiences, and you wanted to kind of like, you know, cater to both kind of people so they can um, they they can uh, you know, relate to the uh, spiritual battle happening on the screen. Mm. Okay, um, I've, got, I've got to confess that uh, my wife is a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm a Buddhist. So that, I think you can tell from the first place, the mixtures of two different religions, you know, in my family. So, and then uh, in Malaysia, growing up in Malaysia, basically we have uh, three different races and we have different religion as well. Of course, uh, Islam is being the national religion, but we have the freedom to to worship, to, 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 to believe in different faith, you know, in Christianity, 
in Buddhism, in Confucian, you know, and all this, you know. So to me, putting them together uh, in a film is very natural to me. It's natural to me, you know, because I, I see them all the time, you know. I met them all the time. You know, I have friends from different religions around me too, you know. So <clears throat> in a way that I did not think of like intentionally to put these two religions together. Again, I was being truthful to what I believe that uh, within the story that I got to tell, I got to have two, these two elements in it, you know. And uh, of course, um, because I, I, I have it with me, myself, and the next, the next one next to me, my wife. So... <laughs> And uh, I think that that's the reason, I think, why I did it that way. So starring in the film is Fiona Dalrif, and she is the mm -hmm. daughter of the great Brad Dalrif. You know, we're talking about, talk about horror cinema. I mean, Brad Dalrif is like, you know, the person, uh, the voice behind Chucky in Child's Play. He's in The Exorcist Part 3, which I think is one of the great demonic possession movies uh, of all time. And, and Fiona does absolutely terrific work in your movie as the, as the medium Jules in the film mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. what was it like casting her in the movie and, and working with her in the film because she does really give a not only a really kind of like um emotional performance but a really kind of physical performance as well you really put your cast through the ringer <laughs> when it comes to performances <laughs> in this film. yeah she's excellent you know the first time i met her we spoke for two hours i think two to three hours we met up we had coffee talk about the films talk about the life we talk about all the belief that we have well, I found out her mom was actually a very, very uh, established psychic mm -hmm. uh, with the NASA, the one of the very first batch of uh, special psychics in the United States that established by NASA. Kind of strange, though, you know, mm. in the seventies. And her mom was one of the leaders. I think if you go to Google her mom, you can you can find more about her mom. And she could. She told me she could. Uh, her mom could read the cards, you know without flipping, you know, so mm -hmm. she could read behind it, you know. So she, I believe she carries a little bit of that. She has that, you know. So when I look into her eyes, the soul to herself, I think I could see her really playing this, this, you know, this character so well, you know. And we clicked, you know, and she worked really hard. She had lots of, lots of questions. I never worked with an actress or actors. They have so many questions diving deep into the characters you know about everything about being in the characters itself and then she was really being the character for throughout the entire shoot you know and um, all the physical she physical performance she insisted that she wanted to do it herself mm. and then we talk about it as well how how the possession scene should be like and stuff like that you know she did amazing job amazing job Another um, actor in your film, Malene Krippen, who plays Martha in the movie, she's mm -hmm. terrific in the film too. I think out of everyone, like everyone in the film does great work in it, Harris Dickinson as well as Ben, who is very much kind of like the, the one of the center, one of the center characters as well. They have to do a lot of things in the film that are incredibly physically demanding. Um, yeah. you know, they're, these actors have been thrown, dragged, contorted into different kinds. They almost look like a pretzel kind of way. <laughs> Kind of done. How do you manage to achieve that? That kind of like on the screen because you know when you look back, we talked talking briefly about the Exorcist before the things that William Frequent had to do in that movie to achieve 
of getting his mm. actors to do that. A lot of times kind of cross the line. A lot of people don't do it that way anymore. That's 70 styles filmmaking gone. But when it comes to today's filmmaking sensibilities, what are you able to do with your actors to make them achieve those kind of like, you know, physical feats? Do you use a lot of stunt doubles? Is there a lot of um, choreography? Is there a lot of rehearsal? How do you manage to pull that off uh, on the screen? Definitely, there's a lot of rehearsal, a lot of choreography. And uh, I have to convince them. I have to convince them in many ways. They have to believe in me mm. that it's achievable. And I had my stunt team um, repeatedly doing the same, same stunts many times in front of them, showing them exactly uh, what they should do and the understanding of the stunt as well, you know. So I work closely with the stunt team to pull it through, you know. So, and um, they, they all really want to try it out, every one of them had that physical challenge. Every one of them got pulled by the wire and stuff mm. like that, got flown somehow. You know, even the husband got thrown away. It's a great shot, by yeah. the way. I love that yeah. shot in the movie. Yeah, it's an awesome one. <laughs> you know, I think something that's really great about what's happening with Don't Look at the Demon is that not only are you showing in theatres in, in the US, but you're showing in 250 theatres. And, you know, we you talked before about how the the people in Malaysia are really going to cinemas in droves. And here in Australia, people are going back to cinemas as well. I'm sure people listening in the US will have the same experience. People going back into theatres, into that small room where they, the lights will go down and you watch a movie as a community. You know, a lot of films these days go straight to digital. They will go mm -hmm. straight to streaming. But your film is mm -hmm. going to be in cinemas, um, the way I'm sure you intended the movie to be seen. I'm sure for yourself as a filmmaker, growing up watching films in the theatre, in the mm -hmm. cinema, that it is a great treat that not only will people in the Western audiences be watching your film, but they're going to watch it in the theatre, not the at theater. home, not yeah. on a phone, in the theatre. I'm sure out of everything that we've talked about, that going back to the times when you were a young boy watching The Exorcist at such a young age, that you'll be able now to kind of like uh, give another young child unassuming <laughs> <laughs> of what's going to be in front of them, the same experience you had. So in maybe you know, 30, 40 years, they're going to grow up to be a filmmaker like yourself. I'm sure it's going to be a, a really great thing for you. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be so amazing, you know, from the way the way it's going to be presented in the theatres. Because the film was designed for, for cinema. It wasn't designed for the uh, small screens, you know. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. I think so too. I think people are really going to get a kick of what Don't Look at the Demon has to has to provide, especially now, Halloween season. This is the time where people are going out to watch scary movies. So everyone listening, October 7, across theatres across the US and Canada as well, um, so across North America, Don't Look at the Demon. If you guys want to check out a really scary demonic possession movie with a twist, with a different angle coming from the eastern side of things as opposed to the usual demonic possession uh, movie, I really recommend everyone check this film out. Uh, get ready to, to be scared. Get ready to be terrified. Get ready for that popcorn to be thrown up in the air because there are scenes in this movie that will, that will get you. Um, as, as they did get me, and I really appreciate that. And Brando Lee, I thank you so very much for your time today. Congratulations with the film, um, and hopefully we get to talk again in the future with future releases. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. It's been my pleasure too. Thank you so much, Matthew, for having me.